Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca S. as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, July 6, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 69. The first paragraph, we will be reading and commenting on that one paragraph only, which begins with, we reviewed our own conduct and ends with, and looked at it. Today's readers are Crystal P, Dara L, Diane B, and Nancy C. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, July 5th, 2021, are 17,286 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, and that's 17286, and 17,287 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, that's 17287. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Crystal P. to read the OA 12 steps. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. 
continue to take personal inventory, and when you are wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, Crystal P. I will now ask Dara L. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Great. Thank you. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Dara L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose. Reminders to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request, oh, we are sharing, I'm sorry. Yeah, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. 
then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph only on page 69, which begins with, we reviewed our conduct and ends with, and looked at it. I will now ask Diane B. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca. We reviewed our day. Oh, I'm sorry. We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. Good morning. I'm Diane B. Gratefully Recovered Compulsive Eater in New Rochelle, New York. Um, this paragraph is pretty short, but it has nine questions in it. So for having only like two or three sentences, there are a lot of questions in here. So when I was doing my work, my fourth step work, I had to take a look at each one of these. Where had I been selfish? Where was I dishonest? Was I inconsiderate? Whom did I hurt? Did I unjustifiably arouse jealousy? Did I arouse suspicion? Did I arouse bitterness? Where was I at fault? What should I have done better? Or instead, it says here, but for me that was better. So all these questions, you know, I had to really sit down and think about this. And, of course, whenever I sit down to do this stuff, this work, I always pray first um, because I can't do this work alone. I'm not necessarily honest with myself. I don't necessarily want to look at this stuff. But when I have my higher power with me, then I can be honest and I can take a good look at these things and not beat myself up for them. Um, you know, when I was younger, every time I go on a diet and lose weight, I would become promiscuous because I just thought, wow, I have this great body, and if somebody was going to sleep with me, that must mean that I'm okay. Well, that was because I didn't have self-esteem or didn't have very good self-esteem, and I was always looking for myself and other people. Today I know that, my, that I get self-esteem from doing esteemable acts. And the way that I do those is with my higher powers' help. I ask, um, how can I be of service today? So there were many things that I could answer yes to with these. I was selfish. Sometimes I wanted things just the way I wanted them. Sometimes I just wanted sex just to have sex, not because I loved the person or there was nothing behind it. Um, you know, did I, did I arouse jealousy or suspicion or bitterness? Absolutely I did those things because I didn't know how to be around people. I didn't know how to feel good about myself. I really was um, kind of like a deer in the headlights. I just didn't get it. Um, but then it comes back to where was I at fault and what should I have done instead? And this is where I get to make my amends or where I get to see where I need to make amends. Um, because uh, I have done all these, probably all of these um, things that are not nice to other people because I didn't feel good about myself. And so in order to make myself feel better, I may have had to hurt somebody else. Um, you know, and, but I get to do it differently, and when I answered all these questions, then I got to see what my behaviors were and how I can do it differently at this time around, how I can do it better. Should I get into another relationship? Um, you know, I'm no longer available to go out with someone who's involved with another person, either married or just, you know, with a significant other. 
I'm only um, I'm only available to people who are single and also available and want to be in a committed relationship, not just friends with, with benefits, although in the old days we didn't call it that. So, you know, there are a lot of questions here to answer, and I think that the best part of this is then we can turn it around and we can see how to make these things better and how to improve on our lives, which is really what the steps are about for me. It's clearing out the wreckage of my past and then taking a look at how I can do things differently and better and always with the help of my higher power. So with that, I pass, and thank you for letting me do service. Thank you for your service, Diane B. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So if you haven't shared on a vision for you on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 69 in the big book, we reviewed our own conduct through and looked at it, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Irene B. Jerry Larry K. K. Larry K. Oh, Larry K. Jerry K. Janice PM. I don't know if you're hearing me. Okay, I didn't, but I've got you now. Wait a minute. Janice PM. Okay. Thank you. Can I eat from yeah. UK? Someone from the UK. Can I oh, Claire. Claire E. Right, gotcha. Christina J. Okay. Okay. Don't all clamor at once. Well, uh, here's who we have. Irene B., Larry K., Karen K., Janice P. M., Claire E., and Christina J. Why don't we go with the six of you. Irene B., go right ahead. Good morning. Thank you so much from your uh, for your service. I was hoping you hadn't heard me. <laughs> Uh, this is a very uncomfortable topic for me, and I am making myself share, even though it's really, really uncomfortable for me. Um, I think that I view sex as a means of connecting in my desperation for validation, sense of belonging, and um, and when that doesn't happen, it leaves me feeling empty. I feel that, and this is all prior to my marriage, and I was married I'm still married to my husband for 17 and a half years. And um, so this is all prior to that. And um, and it doesn't work. It leaves me feeling empty. I feel that when I engage in sexual activity, and I have, and it's really difficult for me to admit that I have engaged in sexual activity outside of a really committed relationship. And that goes against everything that I believe I should. That goes against my morals, and I'm afraid to say that. Um, 
because that makes me a bad girl. That's how my dad raised me. And so there's a lot of guilt that goes with sexual activity and recreational sex. It's just not in my moral makeup, if you will. But yet, I have engaged in sexual activity outside of a committed relationship out of I don't know what, obligation, desire to connect. Maybe I can get the guy that way, you know, and and it, and it doesn't work. And it hurts. It hurts so deeply, and I end up feeling so alone because sex outside of a committed relationship, to me, is empty. And I need to respect myself and know that about myself. So I don't ever, ever disrespect myself because I'm about to become a single woman. I mean, my husband is living with another woman in Columbus, Ohio, and has filed for divorce. Hip, hip, hooray, right? Uh, Devastated. And that means that I'm going to And I used to think when I was married to him, and I'm still married to him, Thanks be to God that I'm not a teenager anymore. Thanks be to God that that I'm not in the market. And now I am. And I just pray that God will guide me through this journey. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Irene B. Larry K. followed by Karen K. Good morning, Rebecca. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thanks for your service. So let's take a look at this. It says, where have we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom did we hurt? And it goes on, et cetera. We get this all down on paper. We look at it. You know, there's nothing terribly complex here. And what occurs to me with this, uh, this practical program of action is that somewhere along the way, with all the doubts that I had that this would work for me, because you know, as different and as unique as I thought I was, somewhere along the way, someone got me to begin to take actions that I did not yet believe in. In fact, you know, when I think about it, if anything, I was pretty sure I wouldn't get what I wanted to get. And I was right. Because what I wanted was both to control you know, moderate and enjoy my food. This, you know, I was learned, I learned and I was told is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. I wanted to moderate my food, but also enjoy it. This inventory of my sex conduct, and in my case, it was, it was shorter than the Gettysburg Address, you know. You know, Lincoln's famous speech lasted two minutes. This wasn't going to be very long for me. There wasn't a long history for me. Yet, you know, his speech covered what needed to be said. And the point is, let's not overcomplicate the sex inventory, whether it's lengthy for you, whether it's shorter, overcomplicating it is not going to get you well. This was less about sex, and it was more about using a, what is a very natural and divine instinct, the sex instinct, God-given, I believe, beyond what God intended, using a beautiful instinct in a selfish way. I don't have to make this more complex than it should be. 
you know, for me, simplicity does not one day, you know, suddenly arrive. Sometimes I just have to take a breath and remember that simple is beautiful. This program, the simplicity of this program is beautiful. Simple is also intentional. Do I need to add things to this? Do I need to run from my fear of this? No. Is it short? Is it long? Doesn't matter. Just follow the instructions. Don't add to the instructions. Don't, you know, don't overcomplicate it. I'm so glad that someone took me along and made that very, very clear to me. With that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Larry Kay. Karen Kay, followed by Janice P.M. Good morning. My name is Karen Kay, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York. I'd like to thank everybody for their service and their prior shares. When I look at this paragraph, um, I immediately went to all relationships, just not the men I had sex with. I had to look at the whole picture because uh, I can be selfish even in in a relationship with my friends, uh, especially um, before I came into OA on July 5th, uh, which was yesterday, marked two years, uh, one day at a time for me, and I'm very grateful for that. You know, I need to put down, you know, why was I, you know, I was selfish. I was dishonest because I didn't want the other guy to know about the other guy. And I was selfish and dishonest with food because they were going to pay the bill when I went out to eat. And sometimes I would order enough. And then I would say to my roommate, what do you want tonight? Italian, whatever, you know. And then I would get enough. I'd cut the plate in half and I would bring it home to her. I was self-seeking and self-centered, dishonest, uh, inconsiderate. I was in that relationship for, for sex and to buy me food and to give me money. I'm asking the honest truth. Not every relationship, but I've done that conduct. And, and this is a thing for me to not shame myself. And just, you know, looking at the, the paragraph next is how would God have me be? You know, how would God have me be, you know, I spoke back in January in the um, virtual region convention on four and five, and I shared my column five. How would God have me be? He would want me to respect myself. My God is in me. My God is in you. He would want me to respect the next man I would be with. And guess what? I had nobody in my life um, last January. And now um, I'm engaged to be married. How would God have me be? We're getting married on October 16th, 2021. And we're getting ready for that. And we're doing it right. And right of, for me, I'm not saying anything about anybody else, for me, and God's eyes for him and I. So when we take those special sacred vows, that we can fulfill them and do it for me. I like to call it doing it in God's eyes and doing it the right way and do it differently than I did before. And now uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you, Karen Kay. Janice P.M. followed by Claire E. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca F. This is Janice P.M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Well, 
I'm taking it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you my, my nugget on this paragraph because I believe it is the nugget of this whole sex inventory and the others. Um, these nine questions are so apropos. I mean, these are really, really what helped me in looking at my relationships because I was the, off, I was the pepper diet woman. And you know why? For me, I gave reasons why. Because first of all, I was very, very selfish. Now, what does that mean? It means that I was only concerned with myself. I had resentments and I had fears. And I'm going to explain that. I never knew this. I always blamed my husband. Um, so I did a lot of behaviors. And these, what we're doing this for, we're going to treat it just like we treated resentment and fear. They block us. This particular behavior blocked me from my God because I was only concerned that I was married and um, I was so afraid of getting pregnant. I mean, isn't that foolish? Because when I first got married, I became pregnant right away. And of course, I was just so out of it that I didn't even realize, oh, yeah, you get married, you get pregnant. I was too selfish to get pregnant right away. But that, that's what happens <laughs> when you get married. And, um, you know, and I always blamed my husband for that. How immature. How immature. So I was the one that withheld this behavior. I withheld it. I was too demanding. I didn't want to. I, I, was, I was resentful. I was afraid. Um, and uh, so that was, you know, that, that's my story. Too demanding. Um, withholding sex. Not considerate. So selfish. Uh, concerned with just my needs, my instincts. And, you know, the two strongest urges is uh, hunger, like I was with my food, and sex. So now how was I dishonest? I was deceptive. I was married for 55 years, and we never had this conversation why I withheld. I would say I was too tired. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the excuses. What a fraud. What a fraud. So, you know, um, things happened outside my marriage and just with one other person thinking that, okay, then I won't get pregnant. And was I inconsiderate? Oh, my goodness. I didn't consider my husband. It was all about me, 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 me. Or it was about the other person's uh, uh, wife or their children or right. my child. Um, um, who did I hurt? God, I hurt, I hurt and picked plenty of people. Um, did I arouse jealousy? Well, you know, my husband was a very laid back man. He didn't say too much, so neither did I. But I'm sure he was suspicious. Um, <clears throat> and so did I arouse <clears throat> bitterness? Oh, absolutely. Deep resentment. But, you know, we lasted for 55 years. What should I have done instead? Instead, my sponsor asked me, and I said, what should I have done instead? I thought that I had no other way. Oh, I could have not. I could have got a divorce. <laughs> you know, but I wanted my cake and eat it, too. So that's so, so important to, for me to answer these personal questions about this particular part, you know, um, of the inventory. And it's like anything else, you know, um, my selfish, my resentment, 
Okay. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And uh, I would hang this up, this particular paragraph, when I'm doing um, this inventory because it really came to let me see about me, not another person's behavior. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca and everybody. Thanks, Janice P.M. Claire E., and then Christina J., and then we'll take more names for sharing. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for your service, Rebecca, and for everybody that's here. Uh, my name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Poole in the UK. Um, so there's nine questions here, isn't there? And I mean, this, this explains to me, you know, this is about looking at how I show up in the world as a woman. Um, and certainly in um, recurrent inventories or, or other step fours that I've done, um, I've done this for not just sexual relationships, but all my relationships, actually, um, which has been including my one with myself on the last time round, which was a really interesting way of inventorying my relationship with me. Um, and there's nine questions in here, you know, available being selfish, that's one, dishonest, two, inconsiderate, three, who might hurt, that's question four, did I, so I've got that written down, that's how I've personally inventoried this, and um, it was really helpful for me, um, you know, with selfishness, you know, how do I want more out of this relationship than I'm prepared to give, you know, where do I want this relationship to be on my own terms? Um, you know, and, and that's a, that was just a great question, because most of my relationships were very selfish, actually. Um, dishonesty popped up an awful lot for me, um, particularly with relationships with, uh, with you know, sort of romantic relationships, if you like. I was very unauthentic, very much trying to be somebody I wasn't, sort of present the picture of what I wanted this person to believe I was. Um, and then the inconsiderateness of, of just this constant sort of judgment, criticism, um, and, uh, you know, banging on about myself. It was all about me. Um, so it was really good for me to look at that behavior. And it was a bit like um, other things in my step four is that the actors changed, you know, the, the roles changed, but my behavior was much the same. So the people in, in that behavior was, were, were different, but my part, my, my part was very similar. There were still patterns of my behavior that I saw over and over again. Um, you know, did I arouse jealousy, suspicion or bitterness? You know, certainly bitterness, you know, with my husband, I used to criticize and judge and tell him he was a bad parent and, you know, and the, the harm there, and, you know, in myself too, where do I arouse those feelings of jealousy, suspicion and bitterness because of my misperception of the situation, you know, because of my judgment, because of my deciding that he's not measuring up to other people. And I feel bitter about that when it's not justified, it's not real. Um, and then, you know, where was I at fault? What should I have done instead? And that's just a magic present because it sort of benefits 2020 hindsight. And, um, you know, for me, things like, you know, honesty, being authentic, being present, not having my eye on the door the whole time, looking for something better or fantasizing about life without this person. You know, not looking to other people to fill my needs. Having a bit of fun, not being too intense. You know, that was something that came up for a lot for me. Too serious, too much, too much. <laughs> having some boundaries, you know, being in this relationship, you know, being present. And, you know, we, we get this down on paper and look at it and, and it will go on the next paragraph. You know, that's, that's how I want to shape my sane and sound ideals. And as I said, I can use that paragraph to really look at, at how how would God want me showing up in this relationship, you know, um, for all of my relationships with my kids. That's brilliant. Thank you. With my kids, my husband, my, you know, my mother, myself, uh, my fellows. So it's just a wonderful way of looking at how I show up in the world to relate to other people. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you, Claire E. Christina J. 
Good morning. Christina Jay from the state of Washington here. Recovered, thank God, for today. Um, you know, we could really beat our beat ourselves up over this, um, about maybe things we've seen in our past. I'll just speak for myself. I could beat the shit out of myself over what I did to my first marriage. Um, and if I think back to when I was a kid and what set the course for me was this father that um, rejected me completely. I mean, wouldn't even have anything to do with me as an infant. That really set a precedence in my little being in my cells that uh, I needed to find love of a man. I needed to get love from a man, and I got really mixed messages because there was sexual abuse and then there was rejection. Um, My mother gave me lots of love, so I didn't need uh, validation from women, but I needed it from men, and it's just beautiful and lovely that God protected me uh, in a way that I didn't go out and become a prostitute and sell myself for this love. But I did sell myself. I sold my first marriage out. Uh, When this man I was married to for 20 years did not give me love and attention and validation uh, sexually or in communication or any other way, Uh, we were just like two roommates over time, and nothing was happening. I went out to find it. The little girl in me got selfish and said, I want what I want when I want it. The woman was not there yet. Christina, the woman, was not there to make good decisions to say, I must leave this man before I do these things. It was all about the inner child who had not, uh, uh, the woman had not grown up, the inner child was still running the show. So I went out and got mine, and I wanted love. I didn't want one-night stands. I wanted a friend. I wanted communication. And, yes, sex was part of that because in sex I got to prove to this man that I was whoever it was, that I was the cat's meow, you know, that I was the best thing he was ever going to have because I was proven to my daddy inside my little soul, in those cells, I was going to prove to this father of mine that I was worthy. And this thing drove my life. I had seven affairs during that first marriage, and it crumbled it. Now, he didn't know about most of them. He knew about one because I got pregnant and had to have an abortion, and God did some things to reveal that to him, and I had to own up to it. But it crumbled it. You know, it crumbles the fabric of the relationship because I've given myself to someone else. Or if I'm giving myself to, you know, anything in my head, fantasies, whatever, I'm not there for him, and I'm not there for us. So this really, uh, I never want to do that again, and I learned from those seven affairs. I learned deep in the core of my bones. I used to wake up at night with guilt dripping like sweat down my soul, shame. But I, I rationalized it because I felt I needed it. And it never ended, I mean, as far as I went on to, find, to look for validation and other things. I dropped that off. But um, now I have a wonderful relationship. What can I do better? What should I have done instead? The big question is I don't know what I could have done instead back then. Mm-hmm. I, know what I, I know what I could do instead now, but I didn't know then. I was ignorant, selfish, and, and lonely and didn't know. But in this program I've grown up. And I have a beautiful marriage, and I would never hurt that marriage or myself anymore or anybody else in the world. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. If you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 69 in the big book, we reviewed our own conduct through and looked at it, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name initial. Margaret D. Margaret D. Linda D. 
I'll tell you who I wrote down, and then you can tell me if I missed your name. I heard Anna M., Margaret D., Loretta H., and Linda D. Did I miss someone? Okay, we have room for probably two more. Anybody wants to get on the list? Okay. Victoria W. I'll add to Victoria, and we'll stop there. Um, Anna, Margaret, Loretta, Linda, Victoria. Anna, go right ahead. Anna M. Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Anna M. Can I be heard? Yeah, we hear you, Anna. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you, everyone, for being on the line. And my name is Anna M., and I'm a cross-addicted food addict and compulsive overeater. And the reason I say I'm cross-addicted is because I not only have this glorious disease of compulsive overeating, and I say glorious cynically, but really, it's a gift. Recovery is a gift for me today, and the fact that you know, studying the big book after all this time and realizing there's a reason why there's an inventory specific to sex. And for me, it's a big, it's a big issue. And as I've heard the previous years, and they were all very articulate and really um, powerful, I would just have to say that my disease manifests itself in very, in different ways and this is one of the ways and so much that I have to go to a specific program for this so um, it's a day at a time process you know um, powerlessness people places and things and you know it's a pro you know it's a process of surrendering on a daily basis I mean I can get into a big big story and a big talk about my personal life in terms of this area but I will refrain from that because maybe we could save time for the next person. But thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone, for being online. And this is Anna M. With that, I pass. Thanks, Anna M. Margaret D. Um, hey, everybody. This is Margaret D. in Georgia. May I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Margaret oh. D. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, first of all, um, I'm so grateful to be a recovered human being, um, a recovered compulsive eater. When we talk about sex, the thing that comes into my head um, is the adage that how I do anything is how I do everything. And how I do everything before recovery is I direct the show. And I say, what you're going to be doing, if, and this is all in my head, you know, what, what you're like, I imagine I know what you're thinking about me and what I need to do to change your thought process or whatever it is. So when it came to sex, the main thought that went through my head was I need a protector, not a sexual protector, but I need a protector much the same way Maybe an eight-year-old would 
admire some of the superheroes, the comic book heroes, you know, because they were powerful and strong and they wanted to defend the weak and put right where, you know, whatever they, whatever this crime or drama was going on. Well, I was terrified of, of everybody and everything. And so I figured that I needed a protector and, um, when I got married, I picked out the person. Well, first, even before that, I went through a lot of bullying and teasing. And um, I've come from a large family, and there was a lot of things uh, that it would have been helpful to have had. But we, you know, so we didn't get it. So whatever. Anyways, the whole point is I took the experience, and instead of seeing where the reality of it was, I put my perception on it, I put my spin on it, and what I came up with was God doesn't care a damn about me. If he would, he would have fill in the blank, not let this happen, that wouldn't have happened, this would have happened here, blah, blah, blah. So I figured I needed a protector, but not once did I ever consider having my higher power be that protector. And so I went to people, places, and things. And there's my sex inventory. What I did wrong was I failed to enlarge, you know, and that's more on the line of adult thinking that you fail to enlarge your um, relationship with your higher power. But I just got mad and said, you know, God, if this is the best you can do, I don't want it. And I can run the show much better myself. Thank you very much. Um, and um, that was, you know, coming to grips with that idea and finding um, corrective measures is all about what the sex inventory is about, doing things differently. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret D. Loretta H. And then Linda D. Good morning, Rebecca, and everyone on this line who saves my life. This is Loretta H., recovered with God's grace and mercy, and I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. When we review our sex conducts, where will we be selfish? I not only suffer from the disease of compulsive overeating, but I suffer from the disease of anorexia. And I use that as my uh, shield especially in my 50-year marriage. I just did an inventory last year on my 50-year marriage, and that was one of the amends I had to make to my husband because, um, as somebody else shared on this um, just earlier, uh, I never really wanted to have children, and I grew up as um, a Catholic girl, so uh, sex was very, very... um, it wasn't something you were supposed to do unless you wanted to have children. And I, of course, took that um, to the nth degree um, in my marriage and in my body. And um, as a result, uh, we don't have children, which is something I wanted, but it really, really hurt my relationship with my husband. And uh, as I said, I made amends. And the other thing is because I used my body as a form of um, identity with my 
friends. I was also anorexic with my girlfriend relationships. You know, I needed to be thinner than them. I needed, and the other thing I did was um, that really hurt my husband. There was a trust issue because I went out and ran at three o'clock in the morning and was raped. And after that, my husband was terrified that I would um, continue this behavior. So I had to make amends for that, not for what happened, but for what I did, my part. And that's what's so interesting about this um, review because I had done this before. I've done, I've been in program for 21 years and I did this before, but I really never looked at the specificity of this um, paragraph. And this time I did. And there was a lot of amends and a lot of damage that I had to with my God, with my God today, only with my God, that I actually have to reconstruct. And I'm still reconstructing it, as it says on page 83. There's a long period of reconstruction ahead. And it's only through this work can I say that I'm still married after 51 years, because um, without this, I don't think I would be. And I am just so grateful for this program, because not only has it healed my marriage, it has also healed my soul so that I can go out and be an authentic friend to everybody right. as opposed to, thank you, as opposed to this selfish little girl who only wanted what she wanted when she wanted it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Loretta H. Linda D. followed by Victoria W. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning, Linda D. Good morning. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I want you to know that I'm shaky inside. That's how touchy this area is for me, because I'm just going to tell you the truth about Linda D. Not all of it, because it's none of your business, but quite a bit. When I was very little, I wanted to be loved and safe, and now I know I am because I have a higher power who is love. And I got that by doing these steps and practicing, practicing, practicing a very simple idea. I will do what I am told to do and I will find that higher power. And I started by talking to the air or the big question mark. So it's a miracle to me that I am 77 years old and sex really looks good to me. Can you believe it? Yes, I can. Now what do I do with it? I have to learn how to date. Yes, I do. I don't have to, but I'd like to. And the shocking part of it is people would like to date me. And if they're not available, I'm not interested. Even if they're in a 12-step program and they've been there for 180 years. Because what this really depends on is how much peace I've made with myself and the world through a higher power. And it was talked about the inner child. All that stuff's real. There's no escape. Thank God I have this program. Now I have a shot at a real life. Every area is opening. 
That's unbelievable. And now I can stop shaking because I'm not going to talk anymore. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Linda G. Next is Victoria W., followed by Matt J.S. Hi there. This is Victoria W. Am I, may I, excuse me, may I be heard? <laughs> yes. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning. Um, I really identify with the person who just said they can stop shaking once they're done talking, so I'm looking forward to that. But I feel called to share today um, in the listserv I'm located in Houston, Texas, but calling you this morning from Western North Carolina. Um, and I'm recovered today by God's grace. And, you know, I was thinking about how my life used to always be about what I didn't deserve that other people were doing to me, all the bad things that I didn't deserve. And now my life is about this recovery that is so beautiful that I don't deserve. Um, so I'm hoping to share some of that with you all this morning to whoever it might help. When I, when it was time for me to do my sex inventory, my sponsor at the time told me, you know, this will just take as long as however many partners you've had. And I said, well, I'm a huge loser, so it should be pretty quick. And she said to me, well, I'm a huge loser, and it took forever. Um, and it's just funny because I thought that, I thought that, you know, not having that many sex partners was going to be like, okay, this is a piece of cake, and now that we're done with resentments, like, this will be super easy. Uh, but excuse my language, did I have some shit to go through? Um, I saw that I was stuffing down and hiding a big part of who I am. Um, I have been in a three-year committed monogamous relationship with a cis straight man who I love, who means everything to me. Um, but I was living a lie. Um, I was using sex as a way to get out of any argument. If there was any discomfort where I felt like, oh no, is, is he going to be done with me this time for acting really crazy? I'd be like, oh, you know, do you want to have sex? And that, you know, I believe that sex is a beautiful and healthy thing, but not the way I was using it. And I had to face that. And I also had to face that, you know, there's a difference between a private life and a secret life. Um, and I really struggled and didn't want to come to terms with the fact that a big part of my identity um, is not just attraction to men, but also women and being a bisexual person. Um, and, you know, I was like, I don't really want to share this on the line, but I know that if this can help anybody, you don't have to hide part of who you are when it comes to God. Um, the God of my childhood wouldn't be okay with my identification like that, or at least what I had been taught. But the higher power I have now wants me to truly know my worth, right, to really be humble and what that definition means. You know, my, my sponsor tells me, no, you know, no ego too big and no ego too small, just a right-sized version of who I am. And today, because of this program, I can say that out loud. I don't have to push away that feeling, um, you know, when I find a woman attractive. I can just go, hey, that's part of who I am. It doesn't invalidate my relationship that I'm in now. It doesn't invalidate my past experiences. It doesn't invalidate, you know, anything that I think I know about myself. It just means I'm Victoria. I'm just who I am, and I'm not defective. Thank you for the reminder, and appreciate the time to share. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria W. Matt J.S. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for your service this morning. Good morning, I'm Matt J.F. as in joined fellowship. I live in Kentucky. And the shares this morning have been so great because uh, 
because of what I'm going through in my life right now. And what I realized in listening to the shares and reflecting on a relationship in my life that I'm struggling with is the, 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 there's a really good reason why rigorous honesty is one of the core touchstones of this program. But the person with whom I need to be rigorously honest the most is me. Because, you know, I, and I think this is natural, right? I'm not like making a victim of myself. For perfectly good and valid reasons, I came into this world and grew up feeling like I wasn't entitled to my feelings, feeling like I couldn't, uh, I couldn't ask for what I wanted. And that's no one's fault, including mine. But, you know, I can't, I can't get past that until I acknowledge it. And really, it was that, that last question, where are we at fault, what should we have done instead? The, the core of all of that with everyone for me is, I could have been more honest with myself and with them. Because every wrong that I've done, whether it was by commission or omission, comes from a place of not being willing to own what I'm feeling and what I need. And that comes from fear, right? It comes from this place of like, if I do that, they will leave. If I do that, this relationship will end. If I do that, I won't be what I want. But what I've come to understand through this program is that is the only thing that my higher power wants me to do. Be more honest and clear about what's going on inside me. Remember, I don't have the first clue. If I'm struggling so much with that, clearly I don't have the first clue what's going on inside anybody else. And then show up as that. There's a favorite author and speaker of mine who has a saying, a mantra that she uses that I love. It's don't shrink, don't puff up, just stand your sacred ground. And we're all entitled to that sacred ground. Uh, or at least I am, and I have to assume everyone else is too. So I really appreciate this morning's call. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Matt J.S. Does anybody have a one-minute share? Okay, this is Rebecca. This is Rebecca. Oh, good. Is your name Rebecca? Yes, Rebecca B. from Wisconsin. Oh, please, please go right ahead, Rebecca B. Thank you. Okay. Um, so uh, I um, have learned a lot through a few four steps. and I, But honestly, as I'm listening on the line this morning, I'm not sure I completely got it. And more was uncovered today in this area. Um, and I had a... a relationship when I was a young uh, teenager with a married man, older man. It took me a lot of years of therapy to realize that wasn't my fault. Um, But what was my fault is that I kept that relationship alive in my head and even into my marriage for decades. Um, And that was selfish to my beautiful, wonderful husband um, who deserved, you know, my full um, attention and love and devotion. and it is really hard to have a healthy marriage and a health, healthy sex life when there's sort of this third person in the bedroom. Um, 
So I just wanted to share that um, going through the recovery and working these steps helps me just continue to understand more. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca B., for sneaking in there. You were our last person to share in this first hour, but there's another hour coming up. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, July 6, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 17,296. That's 17296. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning, everyone. Nancy C., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Ann Arbor, Michigan, today from Washington, D.C. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you have and give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.